greet you in the name of our risen Lord on this first Sunday in 2021. As they say, out with the old and in with the new. Friday was the first. Now we can truly say hindsight is 2020. We are going to move on into a new year. A time for resolutions. Uh, I will be honest, I'm not one who makes a lot, but a commendable resolution for all, if we can combine one, is that we be intentional in our walk with the Lord in 2021. To be intentional is to be done on purpose or deliberate. It's like making up your mind to do something or setting a goal and then be determined to accomplish it. A few more. I will walk closer to the Lord in 2021. I will let my light shine brighter, brighter in this new year. I want my life to be a role model for others to follow. And I will be committed in 2021. Brother Mike mentioned the word committed at least two times in devotional this morning, and I like it. I will be committed. I talked to a 77-year-old man Monday morning, and after I told him who I am, he said he is a Bible-believing, Christ-centered Roman Catholic. He said, think about that for a while, and I chewed on that for a little bit. Then he goes on, and he was not bragging, don't get me wrong, but he said this, and I'm talking a little bit about commitment, and let me back up, 77 years old, he told me, along with his wife, they teach the fifth grade class at their church each Sunday morning, 77 years old. I'm not here to promote the Catholic, but I will say, I can admire that kind of commitment. So, not that we have to wait till we're 77 to teach, but let's just go back to the word commitment, 2021, let's be a committed a committed the people, not to be decide, deciding where we're at, but be, be committed. Committed. For a text this morning, I invite your attention to Hebrews chapter 10. The title of the message is Encouraging One Another, taken from verse 25. But we're going to read verses, I'm going to read verses 19 to 25 in uh, the 10th chapter of Hebrews. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of, of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as ye see the day approaching. In verses 19 through 21, we see uh, the new way that Jesus opened for us. Then in verses 22 through 25, we're going to look at our sincere desire or dedication to him for the way he provided. Three points for the message this morning. Number one, let us draw near with a true heart. Number two, let us hold fast our profession of faith. And third one, which is the title of the message, let us encourage one another. Verse 19, having therefore, we got to do a little bit of background to see why the therefore is there. The writer here is referring to the Old Testament sacrifices when only the high priest would go into the most holy place, approaching the Lord, 
just one time a year with the blood of an animal to offer sacrifice for the sins of the people. But we're talking now about Jesus here. So let's go back, if you're there in chapter 10 at verse 11 and 12 and also 14, just a little bit of a background. It says, every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, speaking of Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down the right hand of God for one offering, he has perfected forever them that are, sac- that are sanctified. Jesus Christ, when he made the ultimate sacrifice, as we know, he paid the debt that we could not pay, and his blood was shed. And because of that, today, we can have, verse 19, boldness or confidence and courage to enter the presence of God. Again, by the blood of Jesus Christ. What Jesus did is he fulfilled the Old Testament covenant. Today, we don't need to go to an uh, Old Testament high priest for, and have him make atonement for our sins. For Jesus, when, when he made that sacrifice uh, that was needed, he opened the path for us to come right into the very presence of God. And that is the new and living way which we see there in verse 20. Um, through the veil under the Old, te- old Covenant, the veil was a curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place there in the tabernacle. And under the new covenant, which we're living in today, the veil is a type of man's sinfulness. But Christ's broken body, as we see in the end of verse 20, his flesh, that he was sacrificed on the cross, because of that he opened the way into God's presence where we today can enter with courage. And we could go back, we're not going to the Old Testament, and we think that we see the uh, Old Testament sacrifices. And I trust each one here this morning, we are thankful for this new and living way that Jesus Christ consecrated for us. And because of that, verse 21, and having a high priest over the house of God. I just said that Jesus' sacrifice done away with the Old Testament high priest, correct. But here we see... Uh, that today Jesus is our high priest, referring to him as our high priest. It also verse in Hebrews 4.14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, namely Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that verse there is similar to what we see here in verse 20, uh, 23, but it says, let us hold fast our profession. So yes, we're going to look at, at encouraging one another, but we have a few other points to look at or prior to that. When Jesus finished the, old te- the work on the cross, he completed the work of the Old Testament high priest. And today he's referred to as our high priest in the new covenant. So because of the way that Jesus provided for you and I, now we're going to look at our response a little bit in verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And drawing near to, uh, to God with a true heart is the core of Christianity under the new covenant. It's the core of Christianity as we continue to draw near. In light of this new access that Jesus provided, believers today have, are encouraged to go to God intimately and frequently. How? With a sincere heart. And the emphasis we see in verse 22 um, of approaching God falls into the trio of three, three things. Here. Number one, a cleansed heart. 
Number two, a pure body. And number three, an undefiled conscience. Is that how we go into the presence of God when we go to him and communicate with him through the avenue of prayer? We come to him in confidence. Is that how we are? That's how we are called to be, along with the freedom of a guilty conscience. Jesus has provided so much for us. And in thankfulness in our hearts and thankful hearts, we can go to him in this way. It was made possible through him. So the way in verse 20 has been provided. Jesus provided a way for us, but the exercise or the step of drawing near is a move that rests on our shoulders. So what are we going to do throughout this year? We're going to draw near with a true heart. A heart that is firmly established on the truth of the gospel. And a heart that's having convictions that are in perfect harmony with Christ's teaching. And I trust that we are all there already, but just an encouragement that this is how we draw near. The verse in James 4.8, the promise is there that when we draw near, God in tune also in turn will draw near to us. So let us draw near to God. It's not without word praises, but with a true heart. How else? It's in full confidence and steadfast reliance upon the mercies of God, having our hearts sprinkled and cleansed from an evil conscience. And I trust we have arrived there and continue to strive for that part. Have our bodies washed with pure water. We're sanctified by the Spirit of God and delivered from all filthiness of sin. So as we go out through this year, may we just be a group of blood-washed children of the King, pressing closer and closer to the very presence of God. When he sees you and I coming to him, trust that he sees us coming in that way with pure hearts. Number two, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Verse 23 says exactly that. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Sometimes you hear people say, you know, I had the same occupation for, let's just use the years, 30 years. They held on to the same job for many years. And I hear people say they hold on to their job because of the pension they're about to receive or the retirement plan that their company offers. So they're holding on to their job, looking forward to the end reward. But this verse here is not encouraging us to hold fast for monetary gain, but for the hope of eternal life. If an employee quits his job after 29 and a half years instead of working a full 30, there's a possibility that he will lose all. But that is nothing in comparison to what a man will lose if he turns his back on the Lord and walks in the way with the sinners. And this verse is encouraging us to hold fast to our faith in Jesus Christ, where the rewards, as we well know, are out of this world. And when we look at this, sometimes we need to stop and consider what is at stake. And the question we could ask ourselves is, where will you spend eternity. And we think of the words of Jesus in Mark 8, 36. Well, what shall profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? When we think about holding fast our profession, we need to set aside some of the things, most of the things the world, ha- everything the world has to offer, and just focus on, on eternity and where will we be. And just get serious in our walk with the Lord. That's why I started with the thought of being intentional here in 2021. Just to be committed. You know, Lord, we're going to follow you faithfully throughout this year. Because here we see what what, uh, profit a man if he gains the whole world. Uh, Everything. But what about our soul? And the fact remains, as we we well know, that we came into this world with absolutely nothing. And we're going to leave the same way. So in the small window of time that we have here in our life today, are we laying up treasures in heaven? 
Ask yourself the question, is your faith valuable and worth holding on to? What did Jesus say about those who are going to endure to the end? He says, they will be saved. So in light of it all, we have been given a duty, a responsibility, and that is to hold fast to our faith. And we could ask a few questions. We could ask why. It's because of Jesus Christ, because of the, the high priest, that he, our great high priest, and the work that he perfected and taken away our sin and bringing in everlasting righteousness. Because of Christ, it's just our return of thanks for what he has done. We could say, well, how can we hold faith? And there are two points. Number one, if we're not going to hold faith, it's not blindly, it's not without, but it's, with, it's not without due examination, but having examined the grounds or the foundations of our faith. Do we know where we stand? Are we rooted and are we grounded in our faith? It's steadfast in retaining our faith with all our might and power. It's maintaining our profession against all the temptations, against the sufferings and trials that will come our way. The persecution, we talked about that a little bit in Sunday school this morning. Don't think we're persecuted, but if it does, if that comes our direction, which it might, are we going to maintain the faith? What about uh, holding on to our profession against all this, these suggestions of men that are, are of disputing men who have a design to unhinge our faith? Where are we at there? No. In, in the midst of all, we're going to re retain our faith in, in everything that we do and say. As the song goes, no turning back. And while we're doing that, while we're maintaining or holding on to our faith, we could be constantly humming the words of the song that heaven will surely be worth it all. Brothers and sisters, let's hang on and to our faith and press on in faithfulness for he his promises are there for us. The second step of holding fast is, is, and it's given in verse 20 and 23, it says, without wavering. We know what it means to hold on. Now here the writer added, adds, without wavering. It's a warning against swaying back and forth between varying opinions. And while we are all entitled to our opinion, sometimes we change our opinion because of additional information we, we receive on a certain subject. That should not be the case on the subject of our faith in Jesus Christ. We need to know what we believe and stand for those convictions at all times. And we can stand and we can hold fast because verse 23 says, He is faithful that has promised. The God that promised salvation has always been and always will be there and true and faithful and will keep his promises. And more on this thought of, of holding fast, you know, what is a great need that you see in our communities today? And if we would open it up, it'd probably be a pretty wide spectrum of, of, uh, of needs. But I think a main need is for us as God's people to witness for our faith, to live it out, and to face life's challenges in a Christ-like manner. No, it's not all about what people see, but it comes down to a little bit of that. But it, it, what really matters is what we have in our hearts. Are we out here today holding fast our profession? First of all, drawing near to God and then holding fast and remaining faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. The third point, which is our main point, is let us encourage one another. Verse 24 and 25, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, but as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another or encouraging you. Know, we looked a little bit briefly at the new and living way that Jesus opened for us. And we looked at a few ways uh, how we are directed to react personally 
And now as we shift gears and look at our character towards others, you know, we see we are going to draw near, we are going to hold fast, but verse 24 says, consider others. Consider means to think of one another or to encourage one another. And to encourage is to give support, confidence, or hope to someone else. As a child of God, these verses show how we are to interact with other people. Verse 24 says we're to provoke unto love and good works. So think about, ask yourself the question, is this is this how, what my life is doing? Am I, am I provoking others to love and good work? To provoke is to stir up, to stimulate, or to arouse. And in this case, we see we're to stir up actions that will lead to love and good works. You know, when we see the zeal of fellow Christians, as we are here gathered here this morning, and we are able to share in their trials and or rejoice in their joys, what does that do? It gives us courage to press on in our Christian journey of life. When we see how other people made it through and how they handled the situations, we can learn from that as well. And courage to press on is an element of energy that we all need. As we share and fellowship with each other, for example, after church this morning, are we arousing others on a forward path? Are we provoking others to love and to good work? Do, do we offer courage or words that build up? So after the church here this morning and we dismiss, you depart to your homes, will the person that you talk to this morning be stimulated to do good? Do we have words that are, are, are building up the people that we come in contact with? More words of encouragement in the, in the second part of verse 25, but the first part of 25 is... Um, a way of encouragement, gathering together. It appears that early, in the early days of the church, some were neglecting fellowship with other saints at a regular time of worship and Bible study. And the phrase, not forsaking, is a reference to neglect or deserting uh, the practice of meeting together with believers, as we are here this morning. And the same word is, is used in Jesus' cry of neglect on the cross is recorded in Matthew 27, 46, when Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken, which would be deserted or abandoned me? And here it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. So this morning, thank you for coming. We, we attend scheduled services with the local body for a number of reasons. Obviously, to experience communion with each other, to partake of the ordinances, and to receive thoughtful exhortations from the word of God. We'd had this morning a Sunday school class. We dig into the word. Another purpose for gathering is to help promote in each other's lives the, the virtues and graces that we desire for ourselves. This is a time where we get together and fellowship. And I had to think about it this way. Uh, God shares his gifts with, with his children, but not all have the same gifts. So we come to church here this morning to benefit from our brother's a gift to teach in Sunday school and or sisters or our brother's gift in song leading or leading out in devotional meditation. And we benefit from hearing from others. And that's a way that we can stimulate in others uh, both spiritually and morally. We can continue to grow in our walk with the Lord. As we know, as we take what we have, the gifts that we have been given, and pass them on to others. It also helps others to know where we are at. Leslie Finn tells about an elderly man who could be seen walking to church every Sunday morning. 
And his neighbors, as he uh, knew that he was almost, he was basically deaf and couldn't hear a word of the sermon, but yet continued to go. So one Sunday morning, a scoffer wrote out a, wrote out a question on a piece of paper and showed it to him as on his way to church. And the question was, why do you go to church each, each week when you cannot hear a word of what is being said of the sermon? And he responded quickly, said, I want my neighbor to know which side I'm on. And it, it's not about me, uh, pleasing men, but which side are we on? Does the world know who we are serving? And the scoffer's reply is unknown, but the answer that he was given could have made him think and possibly arouse him to, as we see earlier in the verses here, to love and good works. But the question also could be asked is, which side are we on? Not forsaking some of ourselves together, as a matter of some is, is but exhorting one another. And exhort is to urge, to press, and encourage, which is similar to what we saw in the earlier verses. So think about your character. Are you an encourager? This morning, uh, well, obviously, I, I was studying this lesson a lot, and I made a comment in the prayer room this morning, and the brother's response was something about words of encouragement, but his comment was complete sarcasm because my comment was not encouraging. And there I had it. Here I'm supposed to be, I said, well, I'm preaching a message this morning of encouragement, and this is, well, he's, anyway, was not encouraging, so is it, uh, I need some growth as well. It was, actually, I was trying just to be a little humorous, and I think he got the point, but he used the word encourager, which I was not. But think about our character. Are you an encourager? Well, what is the opposite? And that is to be a discourager or one who is unsupportive. So when we encourage someone, what do we do? We, we build them up. It's like donating some of our energy to them or to someone in need. So we could also ask the question, if we're not building up, are we tearing down, demolishing, and or absorbing energy from others? Now, I think we could be somewhere in between as well, but this verse is talked about encouraging one another. We had a small run-in shelter for a cattle in our pasture and was no longer needed, so I decided to take it down. Uh, I decided that after one of my sons hinted that it's something needs to be done. So I was, I was in the process of tearing this shed apart, the thought crossed my mind, am I like this in relating to others? You know, I had my hammer out and just you can about picture what was going on. Am I like this in relating to others? Do I encourage others and build them up or discourage them and tear them apart? Thinking about our, our personality or our character, what type of person are we? Do your friends feel like you're an encourager? Or do, do I tend to lower their spirits and dig away at their footings? You know, verse 25 says we're called to exhort one another, edify and build up others. As I, was, I thought about the children of Israel as, as they were journeying in the wilderness, the, approaching the land of Canaan, and the Lord says to Moses, Moses, pick out 12 men, one man from each tribe, and send them into the land of Canaan to, to spy out the land. And their mission was they were to see the land, see if the people were strong or weak, are there a few people or many? Is the land good or bad? Are the people living in tents or strongholds? Is the land fat or lean? And then, uh, interesting, it also said, check to see if there's some wood there. And so, simple instructions. And then Moses sent them out with uh, a sentence of motivation. And he said, and be ye of good courage. So 12 spies went up and spied out the land. And they returned 40 days later. 
their report, Numbers 13, 27. We came in the land, whither thou sendest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and there is fruit in it. We know the story how they brought back this big, uh, all these grapes they brought back. Verse 28, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before the Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we, and they brought up an evil report of the land. Going to stop there. Twelve men. Two different reports. Ten said, we can do it. Two said, two men said, we can do it. And, and the ten said, we cannot. And the initial response, result of, of, the, of the report from the children of Israel, that night they wept. Later we see they murmured against Moses. Then they thought about picking up a new leader and returning back to Egypt. Then they picked up stones, and they thought about stoning Caleb and Joshua. And fast-forwarding, the end result was rebellion for 40 years, running around in the, in the, in the wilderness. And we think of the children of Israel, just a, a large group of people. And 12 men went to spy, and the 10 of them come back and said, no, we can't go. 10 men destroyed the nation's confidence and trust in the Lord, while the other two offered words of encouragement. And confidence saying that we can go. And the end result was tragic, which we know. Let's uh, think along that line a little bit. Let's use uh, a Sunday school teacher for an illustration. So many taught the lesson this morning. Thank you for teaching this morning, teachers. But let's just say you teach a lesson and ten people after you're done teaching come and voice their opinion. And nine people come and offer words of encouragement. Thank you. Good job. Well taught. I can tell you studied well. I appreciate the points in a certain section. You asked good questions that opened up for some, some good discussion. And then one person speaks words that are, do not encourage at all. And afterwards, you leave church, you go home, have lunch, relax in the afternoon, and head off into the work week. What does your mind tend to dwell on? Maybe I'm the only one that's human. No, I'm not. But what does your mind tend to dwell on? The nine positive comments or the one negative remark? For many... Nine positive comments plus one negative equals complete failure in the mind of a teacher. And I say that to say, words of encouragement should be on the tip of our tongue. I doubt the ten spies with the evil report knew what their outcome, their words was going to be. But today we can learn from their mistake. Their words tore down the entire nation. Lord, help us to be careful with the words. Lord, help me to use my words to build up and to edify and encourage others. I also think... There is a, a difference between negative downgrading comments and constructive criticism. And I, I'm open to constructive criticism because, because I feel I can learn from the intelligence and experience of others. And I enjoy learning every day. But there needs to be, we need to be careful that our words don't tear down. For many times, words that tear down have long-lasting negative effects. Lord, help me to be an encourager. How can we put this into some practical application? George Guthrie tells about the giant uh, redwood trees in Northern California. 
and he says they have a, a very shallow root system, but their weight is supported in part by interlocking with the, tree, the tree's roots with other trees out around it. So we know these, uh, these giant redwood trees, how big they are, and I thought they would have a major root system. He says it's very shallow. But what they do, they reach out into somebody else's tree, in, a, in the neighboring tree trees and get a hold of their roots to help them to stabilize themselves. I like to just use that picture. As, as Christians, we need interlocking roots with the other believers in the church so we can stand some of the weights in life that come our direction. And we need others helping us or spurring us on towards love and good works in a world that we live in that's so bent on self-centeredness and self-gratification. No, we need each other so that we can stand, so that we can go back here and, excuse me, and hold fast the profession of our faith. My root might be rooted out there and a brother, maybe a comment that he made, I can get a hold of that and hang on to that. And just be, as together we should see a major root system under our church as we as believers just interlock in this world. And I trust that's the kind of people that we want to be interlocking our roots of faith and helping them through the trials of life. As we go forth, are we people who are building up and encouraging other and bearing one another's burdens, as the verse says, so fulfilling the law of Christ. The end of verse 25 says, and so much more as you see the day approaching. It's a reminder of, of the Lord's return is drawing near. And the appeal is to keep our hearts bathed in repentance, cleansed from sin, and along with that, we're holding fast the profession of our faith without wavering. And we're focusing on encouraging others to faithfulness until the end. So not just in January, but throughout the rest of our lives. I just trust that we can just take a few of these verses here, apply them to our hearts, and just be intentional in our walk with the Lord and press on being an encouraging people. Let's take full advantage of this year by, I repeat here, drawing near to God with true hearts, holding fast to our dear faith, and encouraging others onto love and good deeds and faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Paul's for prayer. Lord, we come before you here this morning. Just say thank you, God, for your goodness to us. And thank you, Lord, for the new way that you opened for us. Help us, Lord, to walk in newness with you. Lord, may we be a kind of people that are encouraging others. And while we're doing that, I trust we can be drawing near to you and holding fast to our faith. Lord, help us to ask for forgiveness in where areas we have failed. Help us, Lord, to, to, to press on in faith. Lord, may we use this year, 2021, just to strengthen our faith with you, our commitment to you, and our desire just to walk with you. I pray, God, that we could just help us to be the people that you want us to be as we press on from here. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Song, please.